When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope your weekend was good. We're counting down to kick off and excited to be with you for the next two hours. So we'll spend time with college football insider with USA Today, Paul Meyerberg. Get his take on the title race and where's Nebraska at on his radar. The AP out. Nebraska getting at least a vote in the top 25. We'll discuss that. How did the scrimmage go yesterday? Our eyes and ears are everywhere, my friend. So we'll tell you what we have heard and maybe what some people saw. That's coming up. And in hour two, one hour from now, Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, will be with us. Plenty of room for you today. And uh, can get involved at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Phone numbers to get in. Can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. We are streaming live on ESPN Lincoln on Facebook, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook at ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle. So can communicate that way give us a follow at schmidt underscore radio chris schmidt that's me elijah herbal at herbal essence for elijah and uh, follow the show for all the happenings going on at h varsity radio good crossover with our dear friend nick in austin on uh, the nick handley show a little bit ago so we are geared up ready to go and not a bad Second scrimmage, a telling scrimmage, Elijah, and uh, a second chance to make another impression, first impression, or uh, kind of validate maybe some some early thoughts or reaction to the original scrimmage uh, that was just a a weekend ago. So uh, there's some good news coming out, and, and that's fair, but not a ton different than what we had heard from the last scrimmage, Elijah, and that is the defense looks good. And our dear friend Searles says, not yesterday, but just overall, he talked with us on Thursday of last week, just that the the offensive line is, is still a bit shaky. And we'll, we'll spend time with Coach McBride on this in about an hour. But... It needs to get to the point at some point in the year. You can be shaky going into week one. You can work through the shakiness. 
and by Oklahoma or after you need to get refined. Got to figure out some answers to those questions. I'm real anxious to, to hit a couple of sound bites from Scott Frost from Saturday. But that, to me, is, is just, we, we talk about it, but it's going to be the tale of the season. Is where does the offensive line start? Where does it finish? What type of growth and health do they maintain with a health standpoint as the years go as the season goes on because you know we can we can do the math uh, each month of the season on what best case worst worst case and reality is for Nebraska in three separate month long seasons right where you get September you get October you get November so there's uh, there's that the offensive line still work to do and uh, you'll have to adjust accordingly based on what you're able to do on the offensive line. Yeah, it's, it's going to be about how can Nebraska, A, find their Achilles heel? Well, what, what part of the offensive line? I think we all expect if there's any part of the team this year that's going to be the Achilles heel, it is the offensive line. Uh, so you, you figure out what about your offensive line is the Achilles heel through fall camp, and then as you get ramping up through game prep, here, you're going to try to find ways to hide that. There, there are ways to hide most of your Achilles heels in the football field. I mean, Ohio State... They had issues protecting the passer last season, and for 11 games they played last year, they were able to cover up that Achilles heel through a good run game with Trevion Henderson and uh, just having incredible wide receivers that were running quick little routes getting open, and they didn't have to make C.J. Stroud stand in the pocket for forever last season. That's how Ohio State covered that up. The only team that was really able to exploit that uh, was Michigan, and you saw what happened in that Michigan game last season. So, uh, Nebraska... I mean, every football team out there is going to have an Achilles heel. With Nebraska, we can all assume it's going to be the offensive line. I think the question moving forward is not uh, necessarily how much better can this offensive line get because you can only take so many strides within a fall camp and within a season, but it's a question of how can the coaching staff, while developing that offensive line, find a way to cover up uh, that Achilles heel until a point where you don't have to do that anymore. Well, you got to adjust and adapt. Yeah. Right? You just flat out got to do it. So... Lean on your run game. Anthony Grant sounds and looks like he's going to be the, the go-to, at least to start the year. I know Gabe Irvin has had a good camp, but still some, some tenderness in that knee. You still have Ramir Johnson. You still have Yant. You've got a couple of freshmen that you can lean on. You've got a really good position coach that are getting his running backs up to speed and ready to help complement that offensive line. Uh, Ramir Johnson can be a weapon in the short passing game. Uh, lined up in the slot out of the backfield. O'Shawn Mathis continues to do things per uh, how the scrimmage went yesterday. And from a specialist standpoint, that's worth points in your favor. If you can get good field goal kicking and good punting, that is boring. But, man, I'll take a lot of boring this year with uh, where Nebraska's been versus where they can be, thanks to Bill Bush. And uh, you also have... Uh, Janarian Bonner, uh, another Louisiana target, six foot plus, uh, a guy that is physically impressive. And uh, to be honest here, uh, Saturday, we'll make that Sunday scrimmage, didn't see a, an extended period of starters, just a couple of different series. You saw which maybe you needed to see and wanted to see that first scrimmage. All right, what's your twos and threes look like? Were those guys able to get work, build some depth, and then get some confidence and go forward? Really interesting uh, story this weekend. It might have been towards the end of the week. 
uh, out of the Journal Star. And it's it's fascinating. And Amy just uh, did, did a nice job with it. But she's able to kind of get down to the nitty gritty on Casey Thompson. Right. And just what's up with his thumb? Well, what was up with his thumb? We'll we'll hit into that a little bit more. But I want to go a little bit further on the offensive line, Elijah. And this was a a comment that that kind of struck me from Saturday. And we'll start off here uh, from Frost here when it comes to the offensive line. He was asked about it. This goes back to Saturday, but it was pre-scrimmage. And he had some comments. And that got my mind kind of wandering a little bit here with the offensive line and what's best case for it. It's good. I got to tell you, they're they're working harder than I've ever seen them work. Uh, that's just, that's my opinion. That uh, you know, we put a lot of science into this with the NAPL lab and with Zach and the guys wear monitors that track overall output and a hundred other statistics. And they're they're more than doubling in a lot of cases the amount of effort that they put out uh, the last couple of years in practice. A lot has that has to do with the type of kids we have, and a, and a lot has to do with uh, Donnie and Aaron working with them. They're doing an unbelievable job, and I've been pleased with the way they're playing. So, question was asked to, to Coach Frost, why the heck's your line tired? No, more more movement, more coming off the ball, uh, more effort, and their indies are tough. Sometimes I get a little frustrated during team because the linemen are dog-tired by the time they get to our team drills. So we'll probably have to curtail that as we get into season a little bit. But the work that they've gotten done is extraordinary uh, in camp. Ah, the dreaded individual drills. Elijah, you are gritting a little bit, a bit sheepishly. And you do enough individual drills, you hate them, but it really kind of makes you a man. Fair to say? Uh, Hate's a strong word. Hate's a strong word. Well, if you dominate the individuals, you love them. It's, to me... It's a necessary evil. Necessary evil. It's almost like if you grew up playing sports... You didn't necessarily love going to practice. There were enjoyable moments from practice, but you practiced so you could get to Sunday, so you could go play the game. And that's how I kind of feel about it's how I felt about those individual drills. It's that thing you got to go do. Um, yeah, you're going to be tired afterwards, especially in the summer heat. You're not going to enjoy it, but it's how you get to that team period, which is the fun period where you actually go move the football instead of just push this guy and then come back five yards and do it all over again. Um, but the iron sharpens iron is, is what you always hear those coaches saying and uh, whenever you get that the individual work from those offensive linemen uh you hear how tired there it's it's because iron sharpening iron and uh, ones against ones all that stuff you hear in fall camp is, is what's going to make this offensive line uh not only prepared for this season uh but it's what's going to make them improve incrementally practice after practice so well and if you don't win your individual drill all the time you bat 50 percent. that's really good because you'll do some some one-on-one pass pro versus pass rush Mm -hmm. and you're trying to if you're the defensive lineman go throw the fat guy out of the way and go kill the quarterback if you're the the heavier guy you're trying to just punch away at that uh that beast that's electrically quick off the edge last thought here from frost on the offensive line on what uh, coach riola's done and what he's brought with him from an individual drill standpoint no, it, it's it's all him, and again, we have a GA working there that does a great job too, Aaron Cooling. And when I went out interviewing people, that I wanted to find somebody that uh, felt the same way I did about the mentality and technique. And uh, Donnie knows it better than I do, but I, I loved what he taught, and it's uh, coming to fruition now. So 
what's happening with those individual drills? And then you've got the linemen carrying their blocks several yards downfield. And it's quite a bit of repetition. And that's, that's where a lot of the energy is being exerted because you have those GPS trackers. And you heard Scott's initial comments. And if you're a Nebraska fan and you're like, okay, cool, you're doing it now, but why did you just start doing it now? You know, because the offensive line's been an issue since 18, okay? And you have more effort. You got consistency that's being created or at least preached. And you're trying to, to create trust with the rest of the guys on that line. So, and, and Elijah, it's fair to me if I'm Cam Jurgens and I looked around the line last year or two years ago, the line could look at Cam Jurgens. God bless him. You trust that things are going to work. Can you consistently do it for a long drive? And you've got this philosophical shift, and you need it in the Big Ten to take care of the football, don't turn it over, eat the clock, wail away on the opposing defense and see who screams uncle first. You know, what used to win national championships. And, and that is the, the, the tactic that they're trying to, to get guys ready for, for Dublin and beyond. When you play Oklahoma, and specifically for November, when it's Iowa, when it's Wisconsin, when it's Minnesota, when it's Michigan, all consecutively, and then, oh yeah, that middle stretch in October against the Purdue's and against the Rutgers and against uh, some of the other squads, the Illinois and the Indianas, who you haven't fared well against. And Nebraska used to be the toughest dude on the field. And it's not been the case for for quite a while. So you have to lean on the offensive line play. And uh, Scott ended up talking a little bit here. He was asked this question as to to why why did it take you so long to make some changes? This was in reference to special teams. But you can ask the question about the offensive line coach as well. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that, Sam. I have too much respect for people that were here before that are great coaches. Um, this this just fits fits what I I believe in better. That's a big difference too. I mean, I I talk about the the O line. Uh, when you got good running backs, they make O lines look good, and I, we're definitely better in the running back room because of the kids in there and the coach. And um, you know, we're throwing the ball downfield. Uh, maybe a little more and that backs people up and makes things look better so you know you can't point to one player or one coach or one group Uh, I'm just pleased with the progress that I see well there were several coaches or groups that you can point to that just and listen you had you had a, a chasm between Greg Austin and Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you just did. Greg's a good football coach. Greg's developed three guys that are in the NFL right now. Greg turned down the Bills in Ohio State. So, I just think it was difference in philosophy and you bring in Riola. That's the, the good news is, is you found somebody that is going to do what you want and you, you have a guy now that's going to be hammering away at those big guys to create a physical offensive line. Uh, I don't know that, that Riola is real concerned about being their friend or even well-liked, but he'll be respected and he'll get a different approach out of him. And I think difference got to be better than, than what was. He's trying to create some nasty. 
I think that's a, a, sh- a topic we hit on this show two weeks ago, maybe. Um, that, 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 that's what that p- blocking through the whistle, finishing your blocks. That, that's what all that is. is it, it's being nasty on the football field. And uh, when you hear about Raiola trying to fire these guys up and uh, making sure they're going hard through individually, it's trying to develop that nasty, a, a chip on your shoulder mentality from the offensive line that I don't think we have seen here. And part of that maybe comes from Greg Austin's zone blocking scheme a little more where you're trying to sh- get yourself in between the ball carrier and the defensive lineman. Um, not saying you can't be nasty with his own blocking scheme, but that's a little bit of what Ryle's system is going to bring. It's, it's that nasty, that finishing through the play. Well, a guy, when I think a nasty lineman, guy who, who really went hard all the time was Slauson mm. and, uh, or Incognito. Yeah, I say love him or hate him, I think of Richie Incognito. For sure. Paul Meyerberg going to join us, get his thoughts on the college football season, his takeaways on Nebraska. Hale City continues on a Monday. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for spending time at Tail Bar City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, getting ready for Nebraska Northwestern in Ireland. And the AP on with their top 25. We welcome in college football writer and insider with USA Today, Paul Meyerberg with us. Paul, it's been a while, man. How are we doing? I'm doing great, Doug. Thanks for having me back. We're like one full weekend away from college football. So we're feeling good. I know. Yeah, I hear the excitement in your voice. And, you know, <laughs> week zeros are are great for, for you, for me, for the fans. And, you know, that means North, Nebraska and Northwestern got to get it figured out. Uh, Nebraska played a week zero uh, last year against Illinois. Before we get into the Big Red, Paul, I want to get your, your takeaway here with uh, Ho-Hum, another AP uh, Top 25 preseason poll and. You know, guess what? Alabama's number one again. It's just uh, death taxes in Bama, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what's so sad is that Texas didn't even get in the top 25, let alone get a first-place vote like they did in the coaches' poll. Um, <laughs> no. So that was really – I'm sure we are all just devastated. Yeah, you know, there's – um, you know, it's funny that, you know, things come in threes. In college football right now, you got three programs that have really placed themselves a, a distance ahead of four through six, let alone, you know, 15 through 25. That's Bama. Ohio State and Georgia. You know, it's a really strange environment that we've developed here, at least with the on-field product. And I think this was a fear going into the end of the BCS era that you had this homogeneity of who's competing for a national championship. We went to four, and lo and behold, you're kind of looking at the same three or even four if you count Clemson as a bounce-back team. So everyone is chasing Bama at this point. I do think Ohio State's got just a fantastic shot to get back on top for the first time since 2014. But, uh, you know, obviously, if you're doing bet those three versus the field, I think it's a pretty safe bet that one of those three, at this point, um, you would pick one of them over the rest of the field to claim the national championship. Paul Meyerberg is with us, USA Today College Football at Tail Varsity Radio. I, I think you're right about 
Ohio State. They weren't. They're not that far removed from from playing for the title, and it didn't go well that day against Bama. But uh, Ohio State needs to to shore up their their defensive line. Uh, that was an issue when it came to to folks running on them last year. Based on on your uh, insight and and looking at the Buckeyes, do you uh, do you think Ohio State's prone to be better? Uh, to, to figure out a way to, to stop the run. I know they'll be fantastic throwing the football. I know they'll have a guy to hand it off to and Travion and the receiving core is just going to reload. Uh, but defensively, can they be marketably better or do they need to be that much better than last year? Well, they definitely need to be better to go 15-0, and 14-1. And that's kind of the fine line that we, that we kind of referenced a moment ago. Ohio State's going to outscore, out-athlete 90% of their schedule. Um, schematically, you combine those things together, they should outclass 100% of their Big Ten schedule if all things go according to plan. But when you get into those semis and championship game, you know, if you're not running at full tilt both sides of the ball, you're going to get overrun, as we saw two years ago when they played Bama. Um, I, I do like the fact that you have a coach in Jim Knowles who came over from Oklahoma State who has a proven track record over his career of finding out ways to defend the run. I understand it's a different beast when you're in the Big 12 defending against you know a more – I don't want to say finesse, but maybe a little bit of a less physical or traditional running game than you might see in the Big 12. But uh, I do believe they're going to devote resources to winning on first down um, and letting their athletes on the edge and on the outside kind of win battles on third and seven plus. So I'm a big fan of Ohio State. This is not like hedging my bets at all. I think it's safe to say Ohio State's the class of the Big 10. But yeah, I mean, if they're top 40 on defense, they're clearly a better team than last year. I don't know if they're a national championship team, but if they're a top 25 defense, they're getting off the field on third down, I think they're very, very frightening. Because like you said, uh, they lost two first-round receivers to the draft, and and they're not going to miss a beat. They're just not. They're going to be the best offense in the Big Ten by a margin. So Ohio State is a beast. Uh, If you catch them on a good day, maybe you can pull off an upset if you're an underrated Big Ten team, but that's asking a lot. I think they are are head and shoulders at this point ahead of the rest of the conference. Paul Meyerberg with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Paul, you, you said the top three is pretty unexpected, but I'd go as far as to say the top five when you add in Clemson and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's a team I want to focus on here for just a second. Uh, we, we've talked about them a lot, not for what's going on on the field for Notre Dame, but uh, off the field potential conference realignment. When, when you look at that Notre Dame squad this year, do you, do you think they can keep it going even after losing their head coach and Brian Kelly? Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, they do start off against the Buckeyes, and that's, um, for better or worse, we tend to really focus on first impressions. We look back to a guy like Willie Taggart at Florida State as someone who really flopped against Virginia Tech in prime time on Labor Day, and he never recovered. Marcus Freeman is a different animal. It's a different program. He has a different sort of leash. But nonetheless, you know, it's 40 to 10 on week one. That's a stench that might last for a while. I think Notre Dame is a good football team. I have questions about their quarterback play. What I do like, however, is, believe it or not, I love the change in voice. Not that it got tired under Brian Kelly because they had really kind of peaked these last couple of years, but sometimes – a younger guy like Marcus Freeman, you've seen it in recruiting, you've seen it in their team energy when you do get a chance to see him. Um, sometimes that can really pay off, at least in the immediate sense. So Notre Dame, yeah, for sure. I think they've earned that number five spot. Um, you could have put a few other teams there, but Notre Dame, I can't really argue with that. I think they're very, very, very good. I think they'll lose week one, but clearly a team that can get to a New Year's six or maybe backdoor their way into the top four if they, if they run the table from there. Paul Meyerberg with us, USA Today College Football at Paul Meyerberg on Twitter. Paul, got to shift over to Nebraska and three and nine a year ago. You have a wait and see in this state for a better season. You have an easier schedule to navigate if you're Scott Frost. You made changes 
and uh, we all think they may be uh, for the better here uh, in a year. But you need to do something to see a second year with this staff. What's your take on the on the on the Huskers here for twenty twenty two? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it in the vacuum, guys, I do think you, you you see reason why you can have a little bit of optimism. Um, clearly, to me, the Scott Frost experiment of I want to run the offense but also run the program was a bad fit. I mean, I don't know if it's a bad fit for his personality, but certainly was a bad fit from an overarching, you know, keep your finger in every single pie kind of approach. So I do like bringing in a veteran like Whipple. Um, as much as any team in the country, I think they will see a really profound benefit from the transfer portal um, and from maybe a few first-year recruits. Certainly that JUCO running back seems like a special guy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't really live in a vacuum, as Nebraska phones know all too well. And the reality of the situation is this is not a program on an upward trajectory. It's a program that needs to prove itself every single day. And to be quite fair, um, four years, five years in, um, I want to see them beat Northwestern 40-14, to 14, mm. and then maybe we can talk about whether this team is for real. Because if you are for real, a Northwestern team that was just as bad as Nebraska last year, if not worse, with enormous question marks personnel-wise, almost across the board. Um, Nebraska needs to take care of business that week. So let's talk on the 28th, maybe. For right now, I'm, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm a little bit pessimistic based on what we've seen. But I have to admit, um, it's August 15th. This is a team with potential. Potentially be an eight-win team. I think they finish up about seven and five. But clearly, based off the schedule, as you mentioned, um, maybe seven and two going into November. Is because I think that's possible. And if they're in that place in November, or I'm sorry, I might have the math wrong, six and two or seven mm-hmm. and one, um, it could be a, a could be a real breakthrough year. But no coach in the country, nobody in the country needs a breakthrough year more than Scott Frost because we don't know what the metric is because it's all kind of vague for what he needs to do to come back. But I don't know if seven and five will do it. I think nine and three definitely does it, but seven and five will kind of leave him on a, on maybe on the fence. What do you uh, think of Casey Thompson? You've seen a, a lot of college football. I know the guy had a mangled thumb, and he still was good enough to, to gut it out for 10 games against Texas. Does a healthy Casey Thompson jump the Nebraska offense? Yeah, I think so. And, and look, like I, I, I'm like the rest of you guys. I didn't really know the severity of that injury until a couple of days ago. I think I read a story in one of your local mm-hmm. papers about how bad that injury was. Um, Nebraska's had a tough quarterback the last four years. Toughness alone is not going to get you to a Rose Bowl or get you to a conference championship game, but careful football, uh, avoid turnover the third down, keep the offense running. I think Casey Thompson can very well be an upgrade. And, look, I think they've got two QBs on the roster who can play at a Power 5 level at a pretty high level on Thompson and Purdy. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of programs were sniffing around Purdy and not just small-time guys. I think a lot of programs are interested in a guy with his eligibility. So I like the quarterback situation. I think the important thing for Casey Thompson is not so much – hey, do I get this offense? Do I understand the scheme? Can I move the sticks? It's about, you know, breaking into a locker room that has played with the same guy for four years, a veteran guy who played through injuries, had a lot of friends, had a lot of backers. He's got to win that locker room. I, I honestly, I'm not educated enough to say that he has or hasn't. But to me, that's for any, any first-year quarterback who's kind of assigned a starting role, before, you know, the day they step on campus, you got to win over your guys. So, uh, not to say that's going to stop Nebraska, but it would be great to see him step on the field on August 27th and clearly have the command of that huddle, command of that locker room. Paul, well, let's talk about August 27th for a second. What's your take on, on the game being in Dublin? What kind of national intrigue does this have? And uh, I mean, we've been talking about it here locally for, uh, I mean, it feels like six months now. Just It's weird, <laughs> but we're all pretty excited for it to, to have the Huskers on a national stage week zero yet again. What, what's the national intrigue like for this game, and what kind of national pull does Nebraska have? Yeah, I tried to go to this game. I pitched it 
um, in an email to my boss. I just got back a, a ha 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 response. So <laughs> I, I think we, unfortunately, I'm not going to be in Dublin for this one. I would have loved to be there. The good news is, uh, and maybe not great news for college football fans, but good news for Nebraska. It's not the best week zero slate. We've had much better games in the past on, you know, in those week zero slots. So to me, it's no doubt the game of the day. Um, it's in 12:30, you know, whatever time it is in Dublin, like five, six hours later, whatever the time change is. It's the game of the day. It's a statement opportunity for Nebraska. Um, at the same time, with opportunity comes the potential for chaos. You know, if they lose 17-14, they're up 14 nothing in the fourth quarter. The floodgates will open, and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty for Scott Frost in this program. So it, it's a must-win game. I do think they're going to have the eyes of the country on them. So it's a, it's a great, great chance if they really are a different team and they really believe they are, to, to show people that fact. And they should. If they get it done and they have their heads on straight, uh, this is a 14 to 17 point win. I, I'm just not very high in Northwestern this year. Paul Meyerberg with us, college football insider, writer, USA Today at Paul Meyerberg. Give him a follow. Great stuff uh, year after year with college football. Paul, it was awesome getting caught up again. We'll, we'll do this soon. And uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, for sure, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. There he is, Paul Meyerberg with us, USA Today. Good stuff on Nebraska. Paul's done uh, a lot of work and coverage on Nebraska on a national scale. Mm -hmm. And he is always intrigued by the Big Red. And there's been enough coaching changes over the years. He's made it the point to get to Lincoln for a few games to check things out. But very fair, but very firm with uh, the Nebraska question mark on a national scope. So, yeah, I mean, you see the line kind of creep up a little bit. I think it's up to 13 against Northwestern. And it, it could be, it should be, I sound like Harry Carey, it might be it is, right? Where you see what's on the field, you see what talent you've accumulated on top of the, the portal, and, uh, and there you go. But great point about winning the locker room with your quarterback. Mm. We'll talk about winning some votes in the AP poll, the uh, AP Top 25 out. And uh, some love for Nebraska. We'll tell you who gave it. Hail Varsity continues on Monday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And be sure to stream us. You can do so, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook, and ESPN Lincoln Twitter, don't forget the podcast. Omaha, Lincoln, Carney, Hastings, Grand Island, Columbus. Tell a friend who loves Nebraska football about Hale Varsity Radio. You can find us different ways. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. It also on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel is there. Got some good news from our uh, folks who handle all the, uh, the podcast stuff. This is a humble brag, but very proud, Elijah. It's the power of your mustache. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, Hale Varsity top 40 in sports podcasts. Mm-hmm. That is sweet. Trending up. Trending, Tra- up. trending up, and we will keep uh, paying for you. I'm joking. <laughs> 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 we will keep paying for your support. But no, that was, uh, that was cool news. Uh, funny news. You, uh, you've heard of the name Telly Savalas, Elijah. <clears throat> Google it real quick. Yep. 
Is that Telly with a Y? Ah, uh, yes. I've, yeah, uh, yeah. Telly Savalas, right? Dude from the 60s, 70s, 80s, more so 70s. Uh, oh, Kojak. Kojak, yeah, right? Kojak. <laughs> okay, okay, Kojak. Yeah, just a Kojak. <laughs> you get Brandon Vogel in the right light with the right shades on, he can give you the Kojak look. He's got his head turned. Well, Kojak's make it Telly Savalas' favorite take was, who loves you, baby? Right? That was, that was Telly Savalas' catchphrase. Who loves you, baby? Well... How about Brett McMurphy loving some Nebraska football? So you heard Paul Meyerberg tell us that, hey, how about Texas not even getting voted into the top 25 by the Associated Press, but getting a a first place vote in a a ranking somewhere in the teens? Texas was in the teens for for the coaches. Brett McMurphy, the man who took down Urban. Gave Nebraska a vote. Nebraska's just at the end of the others receiving votes, but one better than none. None of the coaches voted Nebraska in. And I'm I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated as to the why. Do I think Nebraska could end up ranked? Absolutely. Am I sick off Kool-Aid? No. Well, this is something we discussed on the show Friday a little bit, me and Connor, which is if Nebraska lives up to, to the expectations that are needed for Scott Frost to keep his job, which... I mean, we just heard Paul Meyerberg say seven, seven and five or better window to get to that seven and five mark. I think most Husker fans expect that you need to be six and one. I'm sorry, six and two or seven and one headed into your final four. And if you're six and two or seven and one through your first eight games of the season, that's grounds for top 25. Easy. That's what and that's what I said. So it's like top 25 while it seems out there a little bit in order for nebraska to have the kind of successful season that we've been talking about they'll save scott frost job you need to have a stint in the top 25 this season just i mean or at least close at least close because you probably need to be seven and one or, or six and two by the time you head into november listen you're gonna have teams move in and are you renting or are you buying right now your top 25 this is what happens. Bill Conley, a good story here. One of the top six teams will win the national title. Two top ten teams will finish unranked. Mm-hmm. See Iowa State last year. Okay, Started out eighth in the country. Like Iowa State, but didn't live up. Same with North Carolina, by the way. Two unranked teams will finish in the top ten. Okay. And you're going to have three mid-majors finish ranked, although that some of those mid-majors are, are moving to greener pastures sooner rather than later. Cincinnati's not a mid-major. They're good. Good football program. BYU, very good football program. Boise, typically pretty good. Houston. Houston's there. Central Florida's been dynamite with Frost, and, and those who followed Frost, uh, it was a nice will. Uncle Archie left you. <laughs> All right. I mean, they're pretty good. So that's that's how things are going to shake out. But as far as Nebraska, I think why, back to the why question, I think Brett McMurphy looks at last year, looks at the, the talent, looks at the situation of having to perform or pack, and says, you know what, I'm going to put some money on Nebraska. Oh, well, it's just one vote. I'm not going to get crushed for it. It's not like... Sports Illustrated pre-clickbait throwing Oregon State on the cover as their preseason number one. 
right? Not Miami, not Oklahoma, not Washington, not Florida State or Florida, but Oregon State, the Ken Simonton era. They may have gone bowling, but you get my point. I think Nebraska can be ranked absolutely. They're going to need to be going into October. But what happens then? Because October was not kind. Nebraska was ranked, feels a thousand years ago, but they were ranked. They were sixth in the country going into Madison and lost a, a killer in overtime. Then what happened? You get absolutely annihilated on national TV Saturday night, ABC, Ohio State. Just demoralized. As a team that was still ranked eighth, even the pollsters said, okay, tough one in Madtown, great effort, good comeback, because it was teetering there 17-7. to What happened? Then Ohio State just absolutely decapitates you and you know, limp to the finish. Nebraska needs to do August 27th for sure. Quite frankly, take down Oklahoma. Easier said than done with all of what we started talking about, and that's the offensive line. Handle the the teams you're supposed to beat because you're, air quote, more talented then. And then finish decently. I'm not asking you to win out in November. I'm not crazy. I'm not even asking you to go 500 in November. But you want to talk about taking the wind out of your sails? And what, what was, all right, it's better than three and nine, but that would quickly shift to, son of a beep, you're, you're 0-4 in November. It's the Hawkeyes, it's the Gophers, it's Michigan. Who else am I missing? In Wisconsin. Mm. And that's, that's just how the Big Ten rolls in November. And those three teams in the West, Wisconsin, Iowa, and, and um, Minnesota, you got this round robin, round robin death march. Who's going to be able to stay healthy or win with backups and be the last man standing in the, 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 the most rugged bar fights? In bad weather and cold weather, where you got to slam the football forward for three yards in a cloud of ice and win a 17-14 ball game in horrible wind, typically. So that's it to me. A lot of, lot of story to tell this season for Nebraska football. And uh, one guy who sells and writes stories for a living with Action Network, formerly of ESPN, Brett McMurphy says, you know what? Put my name to it. I'm going to put Nebraska as a team that's in the top 25, says him. They're quite capable of doing it. Can they get into that neighborhood and stay, at least rent for a while? We'll wind down a Monday, hour one. 15 minutes away from Charlie McBride at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, Storm Chasers fans. Your favorite baseball team is back at home August 23rd through the 28th when they take on the Rail Riders. It's a jam-packed series that includes a dollar beer night, Friday fireworks, a fun-filled Saturday with music by Lucas Minor, and craft specials on Nebraska Brewing Company. And how about Imaginary Friend Day on Sunday? Stevie, you hear that? No. 
Stevie, stop. This is my mic. Sorry, folks. Stevie gets excited sometimes. Hey, hold on to that excitement and channel it on August 28th at 2.05. Sound good? All right. Fans, get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, we're streaming and uh, check us out, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook, ESPN Lincoln, Twitter. You can email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Our old buddy, Brett Sianca, Pick 6 Previews. Only 10 teams have been ranked in the preseason AP poll each of the last four seasons. That's a number, right? Paul Meyerberg touched on it earlier with his Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, A&M, Utah, Wisconsin. What top 10 team do you think falls out of the rankings? Well, not Bama, that's for sure. I don't think so either. Good insight here from uh, from Brad Edwards on Twitter. This is uh, Bama's 15th straight season reaching number one in the AP poll. Uh, the next longest streak for any program in history is seven consecutive seasons. And the record for any coach is six consecutive seasons, reaching AP number one at least once. As for Bama and Nick Saban, 15 straight. So uh, I think they're off the table. I think they'll be fine. I'm going to dive in here and just ask the question if Notre Dame stays in the top 25. I think so. I ask this because they open at Ohio State. They're at North Carolina. And I know North Carolina is looking for a bounce back. BYU, BYU rolls into your joint and just beats the hell out of you with their 30-year-olds. They are at Syracuse, don't care. Clemson rolls that way. Then they end with uh, USC. Along the way, they got to squeeze in Navy. I look at that schedule, though, and I don't see worse I, I than... See, I see eight or nine. Yeah, which I don't think is good enough to drop you from the AP poll unless you drop a couple straight. Unless you say, you know close the season you lose to clemson uh you lose a shocker to navy or something like that and you finish season which has happened usc it's happened but mm, there's still just too much talent on that what about what about a&m here a&m here's their stretch september at uh excuse me they host miami they host arkansas they're at the pirate pirate beat them last year then they're at bama then their hangover game is on the road at south carolina then they host ole miss then they host florida and they're at Auburn, and then they end uh, end hosting LSU as they squeeze in UMass, Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Bama, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, LSU. My candidates in the top ten to fall out of the top twenty-five. You just hit one of them, Texas A&M. That's a team full of underclassmen. They had an all right season last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to be high expectations. Going to be tough for them to live up to those expectations, A. And, and B, it's just like when if something goes wrong for a team full of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, how are they going to react? And something tells me that with, with the expectations that are around that program right now, uh, they're a, a, a big candidate to crumble. The other two in the top ten, I guess I'll say Oklahoma is one of them just because. Do the they unravel in Lincoln? New coach. Yeah, that's fair. And then Baylor at ten. Baylor's schedule, though, is, I mean, they they – just we're in the Big 12 title game, right? So there's your top 10 that'll, that'll end up. Who do you think ends up finishing in the top 10? Who's the surprise team this year? Penn State's not ranked. Has Penn State put a, put a run together? How about Ole Miss? They're coming in at 21. 
But I, I can see them jumping all the way up. They hit the transfer portal very hard this offseason. Sure. I, you know I love Lane Kiffin. I know you do. I think he did well, and I think he's going to do well with the, with the talent he's brought in. Ole Miss is a sleeper for me to, to give a run to some of those top SEC schools and maybe finish top 10 this year. I think Wake Forest is on borrowed time with their quarterback, Gonzo. Mm-hmm. Insight only you can hear on Hale Varsity. All-American quarterbacks done for the year. That team's in trouble. (laughs) Coach McBride's on the way. Hour two with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge. It's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Be sure to check the podcast out, Hale Varsity Radio podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You miss part of the show, can hear the whole thing. Also on the YouTube channel, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. And then uh, we will post uh, some of our interview segments. Paul Meyerberg, USA Today College Football. In hour one, we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, with us a Monday with Charlie. Coach, how was the weekend? How's the weather up north? Uh, oh, the weather's beautiful. We, it, the weekend's not too good. It was windy and overcast, and a lot of people can't. You know, on the weekend, that's tough. You, you know, a lot of people work all week and then hope they can bring their friends up and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And <laughs> And it turns out to be lousy, so it's too bad. That's but we we live here, so it's not any big deal. <laughs> yeah, the visitors, you're like, hey, out of my control, right? That's right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Charlie, we got some rain here in the in the capital city today. Much needed. My lawn, it was, it was getting bad. It's, it's it's going from brown to to a little lighter brown. Coach, it was supposed to be 105 and and humid, but it was really pretty pleasant for. The golf wasn't mm. pleasant, but the, the weather, they did the old okey-doke. They said it was going to be hot and nasty, and it was pretty uh, pretty enjoyable. Well, you know, weathermen are basically liars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 
You don't like calling a person a liar, but sometimes they have to. They don't know for sure, so they just go ahead and throw it out there. You're telling me there's I, there's a dartboard in back. Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew one of them out in Arizona, and he used to laugh all the time because he said, "All I do is say it's going to be sunny and mild, you know, and then all of a sudden in the in the summer it's going to be sunny and 115." <laughs> <laughs> And that was it. Yeah. And, and then they'd say something about the East or the Midwest or something. Mm-hmm. And usually California was burning down and Oregon <laughs> and what all. <laughs> oh, Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, the uh, alternate uniforms came out today, and I know that is probably not high on the, the give-a-crap uh, meter for you. That said, it's uh, it's a tribute to the 1983 Huskers, the scoring explosion. What do you what do you remember about '83, and do you like the fact that that team is having uniforms as a tribute well, to them? I remember '83 probably the best is going to the game, and they got, and uh, some of the offensive players were reading the newspaper. And they have a new defensive coordinator, and he was telling people that they're going to see some things they've never seen before. And uh, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the back. You know, sometimes they're right, but I didn't know about. I didn't know this guy, and I didn't know. I still don't know who he is. I don't know how long he lasted. But we put about 80 points on them. I don't even remember. But it was one time their corner didn't even line up on Irving Fryer. So this is the Minnesota game. This was the Minnesota game. Yeah. No, you guys. That's what I remember. I remember that game. And 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 the other thing was uh, um, Ken Graber had asked them if he could walk on, and he's from Minnesota, Mm -hmm. and they said no. Uh, and he went to, I think, Iowa and a couple of schools, and then he came by us in the summertime, and we told him, of course. But he was also, I think, state heavyweight wrestling champion, and I I just had no clue why these people. Here's a guy that, I mean, I can't believe they didn't offer him a scholarship or at, or at least say he could walk on. Mm-hmm. Plus, he was a great student and um, ended up being, uh, you know, he's a, I think he's a civil engineer and so forth. And, it, you know, it's just sad and to see some of that stuff that uh, people in their own state won't take care of their own kids. Well, you guys went 84 to 13 uh, against uh, Minnesota. How did, how did you talk to your guys? How did the team, how did Coach Osborne treat preseason rankings? Because I know that was – the year Nebraska started number one, your preseason number one had a lot of hype and pressure, and you deserved all of it because of how well 82 went, right, with all the guys back. And I'm interested because and I'm asking this, too, because the AP poll came out today, and, well, Nebraska at least got one vote to be ranked, but just one. And uh, my, mm-hmm. how it's how it's a different time 40 years ago, right, to, to now. But but did you, you know, did you deal with the the kids at all when it came to the preseason rankings? 
being number one is, I always thought, the kiss of death, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and then besides that, it, uh, Coach Devaney would always come by just, you know, the week before the first game, and he'd, he'd always open the door and say, fellas, we're behind you, win or tie, and then <laughs> close the door. <laughs> and and everybody would all laugh, get, and then he'd close the door, and everybody would throw up. <laughs> <laughs> so he was serious. So, That's funny. Uh, yeah, well, he didn't. He didn't. He, he did it in a different way, but he had his way of doing things. And uh, you know, we knew what he meant. <laughs> Winner. Uh, well, we'll see y'all later. <laughs> Troy McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and, and Coach. I got to ask the question with that 1983 team. With the benefit of hindsight. You're not going to ask this. What did you kick the extra point? Oh, do you mean that? No. Okay. No, you can't tie. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you just said the, you said the thing. Win, win or tie, we're behind you. So uh, it, it yeah, led me to think. What did you but, kick the extra point? I, and that that was a deal that was decided. Uh, we we talked about that during the week, and uh, there there wasn't you know they you say well what did you decide on the sideline? We decided before if it was a, if it was tie we're going for the win. Everybody, I mean there wasn't a coach on the staff that didn't say you know, and I think our players felt the same way. Would you have called the rollout pass? Let me ask you that. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, you got a good receiver in Jeff Smith. I mean, he's caught everything he's thrown and, and good, good quarterback. And, um, you know, I think when I, I, I'm not an offensive coach at the time, but it, uh, there wasn't a, there was not a possibility of a run mm-hmm. by Turner. And, um, so it, it was, it was, it was the, the what, you know, and I think, I honestly think that they they that was what they're going to run if sure. if it got in that situation because they go, offensive people spend a lot of time in situations mm-hmm. and you know and those kind of situations defense if they score you get fired so what's the difference? Judge <laughs> 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 McBride's you with just, us. <laughs> you just let them have it as best you can. <laughs> I want to talk offensive line with you, Coach. And Coach Frost on Saturday was talking about just how hard the offensive line's working. They're doubling their their energy output, and they have technical GPS trackers that measure how much guys, how much energy is being spent. Mm-hmm. And in the individual drills, the offensive line's really going to work. That's what Raiola's doing. And uh, I, I'm interested to kind of gauge your thoughts on on the offensive line. What you what do you think it can be this year? Uh, and and just the word out of practice is it's still got some growing to do, which is understandable. But you want it to start growing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I I really. I we didn't have all that technology. We just. <laughs> We just lined them up, and we knew our kids were, you know, the kind of people we had. And I, I would think that's what he he feels like. You know, it's young people 
really realize, uh, I think last year was good for him to go. I mean, you know, you say it's good. It wasn't. But um, to go through something like that, and and I think offensive linemen more than anybody realizes how, how much they have to improve. And, um, you know, because they're protecting the quarterback, it's the running game, it's uh, what happens if we – the weather's terrible, but you know there's all kinds of things they get put in. For a defensive lineman, if the weather's terrible, that's a plus for them. And um, so you know, but the thing is, is these kids are, you know, there's some pride. I mean, <laughs> there's there's some guys that have that you know have spent a lot of time, you know, working over the winter and. Uh, you have a new coach. I think that that was a that was a plus, and uh, somebody that really has the technique down and and probably a little more scientific than most of the old the old guys were. You know, it was uh, you know it was just grinding, grinding, grinding. You know, in the old days. If you're to put the coaching hat back on and you're coaching for Northwestern, say, this season, and you've been hearing the reports out of Nebraska's fall camp, well, the offensive line might be the one weak spot along the offense. They've been looking shaky against Nebraska's front seven. How would you as a defensive coordinator try to game plan for that as part of Northwestern's game prep? How would you try to attack that offensive line and test them? Well, the first thing I tell them is warn them about the offensive line. Warn them what happened that they and that they had they have pride, and they didn't sit around all winter. And um, I, you know, I try to scare them a little bit as the year goes on, and that that forced them in the weight room, you know, to understand what they're doing. I I've said a couple of times that when when you run a drill. Uh, everybody says we work harder, we work harder, and I always put it this way. If you're stepping over a bag, you're stepping on somebody's face, and it isn't our team. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, you know, mean mean what you're doing, and then make it fit, you know, what, how you really feel. When you put your hand on the ground, I mean, I don't care who you are. You just, you're going a million miles an hour. And uh, and it goes to practice too. And if you're not going to be that way, the other players are going to see it. And and to me, that's the that's the most devastating thing you can have is your own teammates telling you get moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead, of, coach always will tell you to get moving, even if you're moving. <laughs> A little bit of prodding never hurt. Uh, Charlie McBride with us. A Monday with Charlie. Coach, uh, about a uh, little more than uh, a week and a half or so, and it's, and it's Ireland time. You, you ready? You, can you handle one more week? Sure. No, I'm, I'm ready. And, you know, it, it's, you know it's, it's, to me, you know, when I'm sitting here, um, I'm probably as nervous as the kids' parents, you know, <laughs> and because uh, – I don't think a lot of the players realize, you know, they're nervous. But I don't think one, any of them, really realize what it's like to be a parent sitting in the stands and how you feel about your son going out there in front of 90,000, 100,000 people and 
plan because it's nerve-wracking. I know. I mean, I've talked to parents before, and they're they're basket cases, some of them. So, you know, the, the game itself, I think when players realize, you know, their responsibility to the team is one thing. You know, and a lot of them don't think about whether their mom, oh, my mom and dad's are here, my, you know, my grandmother's here, my, you know, aunt's here, and everything. They say that, but, you know, that, that's sometimes just that they're there, mm-hmm. not, not how nervous they are. Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, uh, enjoy your week. Hope the weather's good, and we'll talk to you next Monday. How's that sound? That sounds good. I hope I can be be with you. So do we. Uh, <laughs> well, it might snow here. Oh, I get you. It might snow. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want that picture. <laughs> I want to see the okay. proof of that. Coach, you take care, all right? Thanks for the okay. time. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we'll see you next week. All righty. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie. Always love getting caught up with him. He's uh, he's a he's a true uh, gentleman. Knows his football and uh, the Minnesota game. Yeah, that was funny to look at. Eighty four thirteen, and the backups got tired, as Mike Babcock told me. So Nebraska had to put the starters back in when it's already sixty plus points. Wasn't running it up. The backups got tired. So, there you have it. Funny story about John Madden and the horse that used to to run around uh, Kansas City where the Chiefs would score. John Madden came into halftime. Oakland's getting smoked. And John Madden just said, look, you're killing the horse. I mean, around the stadium 15 times already in the first half. We'll take some of your calls and thoughts. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Open phones, you want to jump in till 6. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery fixing the offense uh, topic we'll get into. One way to fix that is quarterback play and thoughts on Casey Thompson's thumb. Good story from the Journal Star and Amy Just. Charlie McBride, that podcast will be up on ESPN Lincoln On Demand and uh, we'll have a snippet from there too. 1983 we got into it because of the alternate uniform drop. They're honoring the scoring explosion I think that's the first poster I had as a kid. Dad had one in the garage. I had one in my room. 
And the triplets, Fryer, Rogier, Gill. When I first started in radio, we had them all on at once. That was really cool. Don't know where that tape is. But they were, they were incredible. Unfortunately, defense was a year away. I think Nebraska top five scoring defense in the country in 84. 83 didn't matter because you're scoring 60 a game. Yeah, and, and I, was, I wasn't alive back then, but I guess that would make sense. That was why, five. Why, that makes sense why they called it the scoring explosion and not the well-rounded explosion. Scoring explosion. <laughs> so you have a question for the room, Elijah, with mm-hmm. the uh, the alternate uniforms. I, you know what, my kid's not five anymore, so I don't have to buy a freaking New Jersey every year for him. Back when he cared about Nebraska football, so I, the alternate uniforms, at least they're not ugly like they were against Wisconsin or Illinois. Oh, the, the old Scrabble uniforms against Wisconsin. Oh, the the uh, the avoid the noid uniforms from back in the day. Or oh yeah, those ones against uh, Illinois were good too. The ones way back when in the Rand- red, red, when Randy Gregory, Rand- when it was the wrong shade of red, and you also couldn't read any of the numbers no, or anything. When Randy killed an, an Illini player on a on a crackback well, block, yeah, maybe it was because of how bad the jerseys were. It gave him some motivation, you know. <laughs> Whatever. So they talk about did, the play. Did the you get into it or not? Was that a thing with you? You're way younger. So I was middle school, yeah, and I loved the alternate uniforms every single year. I was counting down the days every single fall, like, ooh, when are we going to get this alternate jersey released? And now I get older and I go, who the hell cares? Let's win some football games. And maybe I'd care more if the Husker football team was winning some football games. Maybe it'd give me some more time to worry about alternate uniforms instead of the performance of the team. And I look at these and. Uh, at least they're not as out there, not the ones where you look back on when you go, man, why the hell did we wear those? That's how I feel about most uniforms. And uh, the exceptions to that rule were the the 97 mm-hmm. uh, throwbacks that they wore against uh, Wisconsin that one yeah. year. I really liked those. And these are kind of in that same vein of they're not rocking the boat too much. They honor a team of old, but you're still going to look out there and you're still going to go, yeah, okay, that's Nebraska. I can tell because of the uniforms. I think that's important with the alternates. I, I want to look at them and go, okay. That's Nebraska, and we get that with these. The, the The design of them, I'm not overwhelmed. I am not underwhelmed with them. I'm thoroughly whelmed. Just right down the middle. My only question, why are they releasing these on the 39th anniversary of the 1983 team? I don't like, know. Like, what, you couldn't wait a year and made it a, a clean 40? I don't know. It, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for you, but it's... I assume they have something special planned for one of these games to come on or the team, but... Why 39 years later? Well, and, and when do you wear them, right? Do you, would you wear them against Oklahoma? Uh, I don't think so. Do you wear them against Indiana? Because I know they're going to be honoring the 40th anniversary team from 82 with Dave Remington and, com- and company. The all-white alternates. Interesting uh, preview for Nebraska. The Associated Press is out with their Husker preview, as is Wisconsin. And this is the SB Nation Husker preview by Wisconsin. And uh, they say the there's a lot of shots taken at Nebraska in here. And Wisconsin, until they get beat, can just shout away. They're 7-2 against Iowa. They have not been against Minnesota, but they've only lost once against Nebraska. So this is the preview by Bucky. And they say the best 3-9 and nine team in college football is back and looking to bounce back in, in 2022. Get to your phone calls in a minute. This is the, the, the sentence that 
absolutely once you if you're a Nebraska fan and you're sick of losing to Wisconsin and you maybe didn't have a good time in Madison initially. I mean, it's hard to not have a probably a good time and have a beer or two in Madison. But if it's a treatment thing, it's hostile environment. Next up, we take a look at the at the Big Ten's failure project. Nebraska. Quite interesting. Who's on the horn here? We got Pete on the line. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for calling. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for uh, listening. Go ahead. I got a couple questions. You know, given our recruiting rankings, if you really look at the last four years, it has kind of been a failure. Uh, and the sad part of it is, is it's things that should have been fixed after year one. When you look at special teams, you look at turnovers, you look at the end of game play, um, that has to change. And I'm a Scott uh, Frost supporter, mm-hmm. uh, but I think this is the year. Things have to change. And on the alternate uh, uniforms, what is our record when we wear an alternate alternate uniform? I don't think it's a very good record. No. Beat Northwestern. That one year, when you, you beat the Illinois. Beat Illinois. You beat Wisconsin. Your only win was against Wisconsin in the alternate uniforms. Uh, I think you, you beat Illinois twice actually because you wore those the weird throwbacks like the nineteen twenties. Okay. So you got four so, wins and all the other ones are losses. So what do we have? Uh, four. Pete, thanks for calling. What do we say? Four and seven. That sounds about right because you have losses to UCLA. It's going to be hard to count. Losses, the losses. to Northwestern. <laughs> Northwestern. A few times. Uh, against, who do you wear the blackout uniforms against a couple years back? Indiana? Lost to Indiana. Yeah, that wasn't good. And then, yeah, I'm forgetting another one in there. But it, it's sub 500. Hmm? Pretty, pretty. I mean, well, do you count the, the Mike Riley whiteout uniforms and it was the normal uniform with the white pants? Was that technically an alternate? No, you had, the, you had the white helmet. I mean, you had the white helmet, great face. See, I'm thinking the, that the matted one. white. That's one of my, I'm counting one of those. Yeah, but do you count the one that's just like the surrender whites where Nebraska wore their normal uniform, with the their uniforms, but with the white pants? No, because they, no. I mean, if you go all white, like the, the 92 Iowa State look, yeah, that's not alternate uniforms. Just a bad decision. So... <laughs> You know, it's a bad decision. Those all reds that people some for some reason clamor for. Dude, the no. red tops with the red pants. Those things are ugly. Throw that '86 OU game on. Never again. Terrible looking uniform. Never again. So, listen, Pete. Your your question here: recruiting rankings. Yeah, if you recruit if you recruit in the top twenty five, like Nebraska has, don't disagree. Turnovers absolutely a killer for Nebraska. I mean, forty eight turnovers by your quarterback. During his career, interceptions and fumbles. Special teams, it's costing you three to seven points a game in Big Ten play. End of game decisions. Yeah, I don't know why you're asking Smothers, just recent history, to throw the football in the shadow of his own goal line if he's not a guy you feel comfortable throwing the football with when he, when he has to throw it. How many safeties did you give up last year? Three? Well, you started off... Hot did, against Illinois. You, know, you did against Illinois. You did against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Then you had one against yeah, Iowa. So, yeah, end-of-game decisions, I mean, it, it comes down to it. A lot of that has been taken out of the head man's hands. So he can go observe. And, maybe, and, he can, and he can go direct. And maybe you have more room for a safety if you're not missing two field goals a game and not re- allowing a punt return for a touchdown. And I, this is Statistically, where it, you commit a safety, you lose. 
in yeah. football. Yeah, well, because it, it really ends up being closer to a either five or nine point swing because, because of, the, of the field position. And, yep. and let's just let's put a grand total of momentum being worth three and a half a game. Well, and then even if they don't score on that ensuing drive, which with because of momentum, I think everyone expects the team who gets the safety to do it. They're at least going to pin you down inside the uh, the your own twenty if they have a competent punter, which seems like everyone but Nebraska has. So. But you look back at last season, and it's these little mistakes that you're talking about with the special teams, safeties, uh, penalties along the offensive line, uh, a, a poorly timed sack in, in the fourth quarter of a football game. Take those things away, and I think that's where the optimism from this Nebraska team comes from. The fact that you lost nine games last season, but you lost them all very close and a lot of mistakes that feel like they should be fixable. Now, will those mistakes be fixed? The, the tenure of, of Scott Frost... And his four years here would tell you, no, they're not going to be fixed because they're mistakes that shouldn't have to be fixed after four years under a head man. But that's why there is the optimism with this team, because they felt like they had the talent last season to win eight games. And it almost feels like there's a talent upgrade on this year's roster. Mistakes are going to be fixed by different position coaches. Okay, O-line, we'll see. Running back, you're going to find two or three guys that will be ready to go. And uh, from a special team standpoint, you have a coordinator. And uh, you have a wide receivers coach that's not going to put up with any BS. That's where that excellence will be demanded by them. Period. Mm -hmm. So with Wisconsin's preview here, they have different preseason expectations. Uh listen they they can go either way kind of like you there's some optimism there's some reality you know 2021 and 2022 could be a lot alike if nebraska doesn't fix things and it comes down to fixing mistakes as you alluded to you lost your final six so going into ireland nebraska's on a six game losing streak you have to be a lot better and Nebraska was a better team than their record showed. But it, it really comes down to caring for the football and having a strong line play. I don't know if I can have buy into strong line play. I agree you have to have it. I don't know that Nebraska will have it uh, at, at some point in the year. A year from now, Nebraska could have strong line play. Are they ready now? Are you going to be good in the trenches defensively? And you've overhauled completely on special teams, which had to happen. If you just don't suck on special teams, that that will probably give you a couple of ball games. So a bowl game is possible, says Bucky Badger, <laughs> but so is three and nine. Mm. Right? I mean, you, you need to see real change before you buy in. Paul Meyerberg said it. Bucky the Badger says it here in the fifth quarter preview. And I think he was a Nebraska fan. You are so geared up for the start of football. Totally hear you. Totally get it. Same here. But you're going to be cautious even with a win against Northwestern. It's got to look a certain way to you. And it's beyond style points. We're talking competency. And that's you as Nebraska fans, no competency when you see it. More thoughts. We continue on Hail Varsity.
He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We'll have a better call Saul prediction tonight. Mike St. James tomorrow to recap the series finale tomorrow. Rick Kaczynski with us tomorrow, a Tuesday with Kaz. Get to get his take on some of the uh, issues with the offensive line and maybe how quickly those fixes can happen. Mitch Sherman with us. And then excited Wednesday, we'll have uh, all-time Husker fullback great. Joel Makovica going to be with us. Need a little fullback here ahead of kickoff. And then Evan Bland going to join us from the World Herald. So excited about that this week. Numbers to get in at 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com. We're streaming Facebook Live and ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. But can shout at us that way if you're bouncing around and uh, give us some comments there. Uh, I'll always love show content suggestions, some more sports gambling suggestions in the mentions. So we'll put our heads together for that. Topic of fixing the offense in, in Wisconsin's Nebraska preview, real change. Very thick with sarcasm and poking the bear type jokes about Nebraska, but some certain truth to where Nebraska's fallen short. Wisconsin can be hard to watch at quarterback. Wisconsin can have a bunch of dudes that block and really not catch the football. Occasionally, they'll throw it to Barry's grandson before he went to the NFL. Defensively, they'll send and they'll sick four linebackers on you that you don't know where they're coming from, and they've got two dudes that like biscuits and gravy on the interior that just stop and stuff your run. And they've got some dudes that can cover in the back end. And voila, Wisconsin's going to have some beast at an outside linebacker off the edge. And they're going to have a running back that's 240 that runs a 4-3. And they're going to have five fat guys lean on you for four quarters and then fall on you when you push you down. There is your formula to 9-3 and in a West trip to Indianapolis. For Nebraska, quarterback can be a difference maker. It's going to be this year if Nebraska is to exceed your expectations or meet your expectations. And Amy's story from the Journal Star, how grotesque is this if you're Casey Thompson and you have damage to both your ligaments? UCL and RCL. She had a chance to to get a little bit more in-depth with Casey on on just what was wrong with his thumb. He had to go see a hand specialist in L.A., Dr. Shin. Really? Dr. Shin? Dr. Shin. Dr. Shin's a hand specialist. specialist. Picked the wrong field. (laughs) Whatever you want to say. But uh, Amy, in all her years covering the Saints, knows Drew Brees. Drew Brees had thumb issues. The year he was hurt. Same with Russell Wilson. And Breeze couldn't even, like, grip the football, let alone throw it. Casey's playing last year with torn and damaged UCL and PCL 
ligaments. Jacked hand, couldn't grip the football, had to improvise. And yet Sark benches him after the Oklahoma game because of his inconsistency, his lack of accuracy. Can you imagine trying trying to play with a, a thumb so distraught that you need a surgical intervention. Well, well did you see the alleged ten, photo? Ten of, ten of 12. I mean, it looks like you had hammer toes. Did, did you see the alleged photo uh, from last season whenever Casey, uh, they, they got a picture of his hand post-game and it looked like a balloon? <laughs> oh, it's horrible. It's, it's, it's grotesque. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but I mean, it's like, dude, you're playing 10 games and you led the Big 12 in passing. His hand was rounder than the ball. I know. <laughs> I mean, it, it just... God, and then you get benched at Texas, and if I'm Casey Thompson, and the defense has given up 50 a game, I'm scoring 48. I'm out of, I mean, no kidding, he's looking to get the hell out. It's, you know, Sark. And he just wanted to keep playing and keep grinding. And I think right there, you know, we, we, Listen to indoctrinating yourself to the locker room. What Paul Meyerberg say in hour one? You gotta, you gotta be the dude in that locker room. Is that something that's that's happening or gonna happen for a new quarterback? You hope. You don't know where it's at yet. But as far as leading by example and getting it out to go try and win, and Texas allowing it to happen or him camouflaging it well enough to keep the job. Good on him, whether it was for that starting job he'd worked his butt off to win or wanted to go try and ball for his teammates, whatever the motive is, as he was out there playing hurt and and doing enough to win. Well, it, it, that's what you have as your quarterback right now when we talk about changing the offense, fixing the offense, and being different. With Despite all of those issues with his thumb – he was far from a turnover machine. But I liked what Paul had to say back in hour one in terms of having the toughest quarterback in the Big Ten is not going to win you the Big Ten. Nebraska had a very tough quarterback last season as well, and Adrian Martinez, he played through half the season with a freaking broken jaw. And now, uh, in terms of playing the quarterback position, um, a hand might be a little bit more important for throwing the ball than a jaw, but Adrian Martinez was a guy who still wasn't afraid to go run the football with a broken jaw. So Nebraska is going from one tough quarterback to the next year, and it's not going to come down to, to toughness in terms of can Casey no, Thompson be better than Adrian Martinez. your locker room. Yes. Yes. That's, that's where I'm going with it. And guys will want to play with you and for you. Now, you've got to – you've not got – you have to avoid the crucial mistake, and that's really what it's up to along with, with line play. I think I'd prefer, though, if Nebraska could make it through a whole season without a quarterback getting hurt because, you know, there's a free rusher coming through on second and 12 and he's getting lit up in the backfield or, or, or any of those things that could lead to a quarterback injury. I just much prefer if the quarterback does not touch the ground once all season. Keep wishing. <laughs> Keep wishing. Here's what the, the hope is if you're a Nebraska fan. You've got an offensive coordinator that's going to just – call plays and hand the ball off and go win that way. Doesn't have to be or look a certain way. There's a lot of different pages in that playbook that you can lean on that will let your best do their thing. 
That means running to the left because those guys are really good run blockers. That means not putting yourself in third and nine and not having extra protection off the edge for your tackles between a tight end and a running back if it's just a three-person route. Good. But make the adjustment. Quick throws. Three-step and let it fly, right? Pretty hard to beat the hell out of somebody if it's three seconds or three steps and gone. The key is a quarterback that can make quick decisions and is decisive. I think Casey Thompson can be quick and decisive. And then once in a while, go deep to Washington or Palmer, Mm -hmm. right? We'll wind out a Monday. You're invited to check out the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe to it. Give us a rating. Good, bad, ugly. We love the feedback. Also, YouTube channel with Hale Varsity. You can see the video portion. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Or at Herbal Essence, follow the radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio and uh, the, the the parent Twitter handle at Hale Varsity. Got uh, a uh, email in from our dear friend Vic in Denver. Vic uh, sent a photo of ooh, it is a photo of white whiskey. Oh, I bought a case of this. I'll save an, uh, save a bottle for you for your annual bonus. And Vic also says they've got to be crop tops for them to be throwback 83s. We said that because the jerseys were, I don't know, those guys were fit in 83. Well, and I think they're fit now. Well, my question here, white whiskey. Never it, tried it. Isn't that just like moonshine? Like official moonshine? It's called white lightning. I took a shot of white lightning in South Dakota, and I woke up a week later. Well, isn't it made like using the same ingredients? The only difference is, is that whiskey is finished in the, the barrels. That's what gives it the, the brown color. I, I could be wrong here. On my, I'm no whiskey expert. I like whiskey, but I'm, I'm no expert. But I think that'd be a, a pretty similar type thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone needs to chime in and correct me here, but... You're just looking for free whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to, to sample these two different things side by side and, and, and see what the real difference is on a, you know, on my palate. Why, why don't we just, why don't we, why don't we just get you handled? Have you take a shot on air in front of the camera in front of everybody? <laughs> see how your reaction is. It's well, okay. Might as well make it two or three if, if we're testing different, you know. The white whiskey versus the dark whiskey versus mm-hmm. the moonshine. We'll, we'll do it right to lead off the show and see where things go. Well, and, and I'll do the uh, I'll do the the whiskey that that doesn't hurt Templeton mm. that Vic brought me. 
I've, I've manned up recently. I'm trying to be more like my, my late father. I love him, miss him during football season. But the look I got whenever I'd ask for like 7-Up or Sprite with uh, the whiskey, I can't say what he thought of me. <laughs> Just drink it with ice and water. Love you, Dad. Sure. <laughs> Don't have enough hair on my chest to do that. Just add more ice and more water. Oh, you got you to let it permeate and melt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reminder to buckle up. This is a hard transition from boozing to <laughs> to not to not getting in that vehicle after you're 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 keyed up. So listen to this from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Hands on the wheel, eyes and minds straight ahead. The driver has one job. That's to drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. This is my call. I'm calling my shot. Better call salt tonight. Um, I think. I think Kim rats out Saul. And I think Saul dies trying to escape. Mm. That was my question to you: Is can you set a, a total and an over under on how many deaths there are in tonight's episode? Just one. Just one. Okay. Walt died. Jesse survived. Kim is alive. And I think Saul is done. Okay. Check the podcast out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery.